blanket and some sunblock. It's time for lying on the beach on camera. Lowest and steep. Welcome to another edition of Lying on the Beach. I'm Steve Greenberg with Lois Whitman Hess. And today's Lying on the, under the, on the Beach, I think we should file under the you're never too old category because our special guest is 73 years young, Doug Gar, who has jumped out of a plane more than, get this, 2,000 times. And that's not because of the limited leg room and coach. He actually <laughs> wanted to come out of the airplane. So I, I don't understand it, but he's going to explain that to us. Uh, Doug has been on several um, age group formations uh, for world skydives. You can check out this picture we're going to show you right here. And in that picture, you can see Doug falling through the sky with a bunch of his friends, close friends, I guess. Uh, which is unbelievable. Just looking at the picture makes me scared. Uh, Doug has a professional exhibition rating, which means he can jump into stadiums, which is one way to not pay for a seat, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Doug is also a member of the Authors Guild and since 1999. Uh, and today he is mostly a retired writer and editor. Uh, a fun fact, note this, Doug was the New York State Governor Mario Cuomo's speechwriter from 1992 to 1994, which I think is very cool. So please welcome skydiving senior, Doug Gar. Doug, welcome to Lying on the Beach. And um, jump in anytime, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, there's a million of them, and I've got a bunch in my head right now. My first question's gotta be, why? You got this plane, it's flying, it's, everything's going well. Why jump out before you land? I don't understand. You'll have to explain that to me. Why? Okay. Well, uh, most of us are fed up with going through TSA and taking our shoes off. I get that. So when you get into a jump plane, <laughs> we don't have to do any of that stuff. We just get in there and, you know, if the plane's got a light load and uh, we go, well, we're flying business class today. So if we're not packed in like sardines, and the other thing is we don't have to worry about the pilot landing the plane. <laughs> you know, we, 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 uh, our, our big thing is like, just get us up there after that, you know, good luck. Doug, when did you start doing this and why? Seriously. Okay. Yeah. I started in, uh, in 1969 when I was a sophomore in college, I had a roommate that was a skydiving instructor and I had just started taking journalism courses and he kept bugging me. He said, well, you should really write about this someday. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I will. And he, I go, I'll come down and I'll watch you. He goes, no, if you really want to write about it, you got to do it. So I said, oh, I put this off for a couple of months. And finally, I got up the nerve to go down there and make a jump. And uh, it was so, I, of course, was scared crazy like everybody else is. If you're not, you're not normal. But um, when I landed, I, it was so blissful. When I landed, I went into one of those uh, convulsive laughs to get rid of all the tension. And I just said, I got to repeat this. I got to do this again. And uh, the following weekend, I made two more jumps. And then that Monday, I bought a, bought a used parachute, which, Wait. of course, is an act of faith. <laughs> I mean, right away, you, you, you lost me at you bought a used parachute. How much did you pay for that used parachute? $35. So, so Doug, I'm going to have to say, <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy. You buy a used parachute, $35. 
uh, I, I'm not, this is where I, I, I would be out of the story. I, I don't understand. Weren't you scared of using? Well, yeah, actually, the, this parachute, it was really cool because it, uh, it, was, it was lime green and it had a gold apex. So the colors really, I like the colors because they were, um, you know, kind of psychedelic at the time, 1969. And the guy was, was leaving the sport and the parachute center owner was brokering the deal. And uh, he said, yeah, you get it for 35 bucks. And then I, I said, well, should I have a rigger inspect it? He goes, oh, it's got a couple of patches. So I said, well, <laughs> oh my God. I said, I'm well, will it work? And he said, well, I'll tell you what, try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to buy it. I said, <laughs> Oh so I said, I guess if I land alive, what's not to like? I know. I mean, do you see the, the logic here? If you if you don't live, live through it, you don't have to pay for it. I, I don't think, I don't know, Doug. I, I think we really need to talk to you about some counseling or something. This just seems very, very <laughs> the, crazy. But the other reason that I stayed with the sport was that none of the fraternities at Syracuse University would take me. So I, I this was a fraternity that uh, said, if you jump out of a plane more than once, you're, you're, you're in the group. You know, everybody, a lot of people do one and it's a bucket list kind of item. And I kind of get that. What, the hardest jump is the second one, because you're saying like, what are you <laughs> now? You're really crazy. You just oh, proved yeah. you could do this and now you're doing it again. So that that's when you really need your head examined. When you start, when you get to two or more. Doug, are you afraid of flying? When you fly, no. how do you feel? No, but I have vertigo. I'm afraid of heights. A lot, and a lot of skydivers do get I can't get over this. This is so crazy. <laughs> tell them, yeah, go ahead. What? Well, I'll tell, I, I, you know, they have all these uh, great uh, um, documentaries now on the guys that free climbed Yo Yosemite on the North Wall. Tommy right. Honhold and, and Alex, uh, uh, oh, I keep forgetting his last name, but uh, Alex Honhold and Tommy Caldwell. When they showed the footage of them on the cliff, I was watching it on my video uh, on TV. I got nauseous. I could not watch the television show. Oh Think about God. that. That but happens to me. Skydiving is completely different. But when you look out the plane before you jump out, aren't you like way up high looking yeah. down? Aren't you nauseous? No, it's not. It's not like when you're looking outside a building at all because you have your gear on, you have this consciousness of your safety. So you can be sitting at the door at 17,000 feet and it's like, you know, you get, you're in the breeze. We're all smiling at each other and geeking the camera guys like you saw in that photo. Um, you know, we had a cameraman and each jump, a video guy and uh, a still guy uh, in uh, doing a camera work in each plane. There were three planes on that. And uh, all we wanted, you know, the whole thing is that when the camera goes on you, you're supposed to geek them. So we're having a good time. It's a lot different when you're and I, by the way, you'll run into other skydivers here and there and you'll and they'll say, I know a guy's got 2000 jumps, he gets vertigo, but not skydiving. And that's not uncommon. I'm not saying it's common. It's not uncommon. And, and when you're actually falling and before the chute opens, aren't you like, oh, my God, the chute better open? I mean, aren't you just so scared or, or what? No, well, no, they're getting, you know, skydiving. I tried to explain one. Skydiving is sort of a left brain, right brain activity. The one side is the scared safety part and the other part is the bliss joy part. So at some point they meld together, but you have to separate them when it comes to break off and opening and the safety features. So um, we have a little mantra, you know, we jump with a reserve and our little mantra with safety is after you're always checking your gear is that as soon as you deploy your main parachute, expect it not to work. 
just expect it not to work. And you're going to have to go through your emergency procedures because if the main doesn't work, you now have an emergency job. And, and what and, and what are those? Thing. What are those procedures? Well, we have on our system that the, the modern systems have two parachutes on, on on your back. The one in the lower part uh, of your harness and container is the main, and uh, the one at the top is your reserve. And we have several safety features. Uh, when if your parachute malfunctions. You have a a, a, a a thing on your harness, a, 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 a pillow on the harness that you pull down and it separates the main canopy from your harness system. Then we have what's called the reserve static line that automatically starts deploying your reserve even before you go for your reserve ripcord handle. So, and then we have one more safety feature which is called an AAD or an automatic activation device, which is uh, it's electronic and it's activated by the speed you're going through free fall at, at, a, at a certain speed. And that's your last resort. So if you're knocked out in free fall and you go through a thousand feet, it will automatically fire a, an explosive device that deploys the reserve. And of the, uh, of the 2000 jumps you've done, how many times has it not, has not the bottom chute, the, the, the main chute been the one that's gotten you home? Which, how many times of the 2,000 times did you have to use the auxiliary shooter or one of these backup me me measures? Five. Five out of 2,000. Wow. So I don't like those odds. I don't like those odds. <laughs> and you still continued, right? You know, I, I have to tell you a funny story. When I was finishing my book, uh, for the last chapter, and I went through current, what we call currency training again, uh, there was a master rigger at the drop zone who inspected my old gear and, and all but insisted I used a rental gear that was more modern because my my old, my parachute at the time was was fairly ancient. And uh, I said to guys, really nice guy, really top jumper. I said, Brian, how many skydives do you have? He said, 7,000 plus. I said, whoa. You know, I said, how many malfunctions have you had? And because he's a rigger and careful, he goes, yeah, you won't believe this, but I haven't had any. So I said, wow, I, you know, very few people get to that level with none. It's not impossible, but he had none. So when my book got published about a year later, I ran into him at the, at the parachute center where I did this. And he came up to me and he, he had this like really weird look on his face. And he said, you know, you bastard, you published that book. And in there you said, Brian Grady has 7,000 skydives and never had a malfunction. As soon as the book came out and I read that, <laughs> I had a malfunction. Oh God! What so, happened said, to I'm him? I'm blaming it on you. What happened to him? Oh, he's fine. I mean, he had to use his reserve chute. <laughs> I mean, but it was really—it was kind of funny. And there's a tradition that the the parachute rigger that packs your reserve chute—if you have to use it, you have to buy him a a bottle of liquor of his choice. So, uh, but he had to buy—he packed his own reserve because he's a master rigger. So he had to buy himself a bottle. Yeah, you, 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 Doug, you have a son, right? You have, yes, 35. Has he ever jumped? Once. Once, okay. And what did, I, and what did I, he I, say? I took him on a tandem jump in 2013. And um, I, he had a videographer there, and I went up, I, I handpicked the instructor, you know, the tandem instructor. And beforehand, we, I made a, a I said, I'm going to go out on the jump. I'll be on the, on the camera step. And when you wave me in, I'm gonna come in and, and hook up with my son and, and grab him in free fall. 
that'll really blow his mind. And, you know, it was planned out. And we, and when, uh, when he got out of the plane, my son was out there in free fall and he waved me in and the videographer rolled over to get it all on film. And then I came in and I, uh, I, I grabbed him and waved her. Hi, 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 son. It's dad. <laughs> and what did he say? <laughs> well, he, he went, he was like all in the thrill of the moment. You know, you can't, you can't really talk in free fall. It's like trying to talk underwater. That's all I can tell you. And when you're he, going 120 miles an hour plus. And you were saying it was tandem, meaning that an instructor was on Strapped top on his back. And he's on the bottom, they're coming down like this. Okay. Yep. So that's that's the way you get the thrill ride nowadays. Yeah, because so, so Doug, I want to ask you, uh, your wife and your son and your parents and your brother and cousins. Didn't anybody like try to stop you from doing this? Because every time you went, everybody had to hold their breath. Well, I'll tell you something. When, when I was in college, my brother didn't say much. My, my, my uh, mother was apoplectic. She <laughs> said, she said, nice Jewish boys don't jump out of planes. I agree with your and, mother, by the way. I think she's a wise woman. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? One of the guys in the Hall of Fame who's one of the most experienced parachutists in the world, the world champion, he's Jewish. And, uh, and I met his mom at, the, at a Hall of Fame presentation. And I went up to his mother and I told his mother that story. Cause you know, I said, did you ever say that to, you know, to Dan? And she said, no. And he went on, he's got almost 30,000 skydives now and runs a parachute center. And he's been a world champion. He's a great mentor. He's really a, a good guy. But um, my mother, induced my father to stop me to jump and he wrote me one of the two letters he ever wrote me in his whole life and he said you know you really should stop this this because your mother is you know not comfortable with you going away every weekend skydiving and i i wrote him back and i said dad you do ocean racing you know you've, you've been in a, a newport to bermuda yacht race where somebody lost their life and you didn't stop ocean racing so i said here's the deal if you want to stop ocean racing <laughs> I'll stop skydiving. That was the last I ever heard of it. He called me on the phone and he said, that I get it. He said, I get it. Of course, and then when I came back. It's still unhappy. With mother, after that interaction with your dad, your mom wasn't pleased, though, I'm sure. Well, no, no. I mean, she just had to live with it. You know, like when she went out on a sailboat, she had to take Dramamine. She always got uh, seasick. So um, the other time was uh, at my book launch party in 2009. I had only made two jumps back to do the finish the book and at, I did a little reading and at the end I, I had a Q&A and the first person that asked the question was um, my brother he said are you just are you going back to the sport or is this just a, a like a two off I said oh no no I'm done I just wanted to finish the book that's what the publisher wanted and then he just yelled back bullshit <laughs> so Doug how long do you think that you're going to be jumping and, and tell us about the senior seniors that jump. Well, uh, we, we, I'm in a two groups, uh, jumpers over 60, uh, called the uh, skydivers over 60, SOS, and another one called JOS for jumpers over 70. And uh, I, 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 there's two elements to jumping when you're older. First of all, we're a lot safer and have more experience. When the winds are a little uh, uh, squirrely, if the weather's marginal, we're the first person to stay on the ground. So when the 200 jump wonders go, how many jumps do you have? And you tell them, they go, wow, if you're not jumping, I'm not jumping. So we're a lot safety. So the two elements are safety 
and capability. You know, you're, 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 can you jump in a big formation and be skillful? So usually what goes first is your skill. And then you got to start dialing it back. And then if, after skill, it's safety. If you're, if you're in the air and you're not safe, you're endangering the life of somebody else. What I tell the newbies is this. I said, the, the second worst thing you can do in this sport is to do something stupid and, and get killed. And if you have to ask me what the first one is, you should be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's no, that part is, is for sure. But it, it does seem so amazingly risky, but it's so great that, first of all, I think it's amazing that so many seniors do this. How big are these groups, like this SOS and this JOS group? Are we talking 10, 15 people or 100 people or 1,000? Well, um, when we go for world records, usually 100 people or more show up. And it, less than the over 70s. The over 70 world record now is about 35 or 37 uh, in a formation. Uh, it's 100 now for the uh, uh, over 60s. And the picture that you saw, we were going for the uh, Carolina State, North Carolina State record, which was 75. We only got in the low 60s or high 50s because uh, we got weathered out on, and we had a mechanical problem with one of the planes. So everything has to go right for a world record. So, so Doug, I want to also know who are these people that you jump with? Are they policemen? Are they first responders? Are they doctors? Are they physicists? Who are these people and why do they do it? Well, uh, that's a good question. And when I first started the sport, uh, they were mostly ex-military guys and very few even college students. And I remember I had hair down to here when I first started jumping. And after I had five or six jumps, one of the military guys came up to me and said, if you continue skydiving, you should get a haircut. And I was like, <laughs> and he was like 40 years old. And he was in a group called POPS, P-O-P-S, for Parachutists Over 40 Society, P-H-O-R-T-Y. And we all looked around and said, what kind of an idiot jumps out of a plane at 40 years old? So at, now the demographic has shifted to all walks of life. If you go to a big time drop zone, you hear four languages. Uh, you, everybody's from, as you say, EMT. I've jumped with doc. I got in a plane with a doc, a guy that said, Dr. Fred. And we're at 15,000 feet. I hadn't met him yet. I said, what kind of a doctor are you, Fred? He goes, I'm a psychiatrist. I said, ah, well, <laughs> well what's your excuse? I mean, I mean, you know, I was laughing my butt off. Oh I said, this God. is a shrink, and he's jumping out of planes. So, so why I mean, does everyone do it, Doug? Why do they do it? I don't know if it's, I, first of all, the, the people factor, it's like my second family uh, in a way. We, these are people you trust your lives with every, every time you're in a plane with them. So the, 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 the level of character in skydiving is very high. The second thing is that uh, we don't talk about politics on the drop zone. That's verbose. <laughs> this is we we do this so we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> and, and I assume there's a, a great rush even after the two thousand jump. You still get that same adrenaline I, I rush. I would say it's 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 a semi adrenaline high. Um, but you know what? You know, I would say it's a semi. You know, but. You know, on my level, we're looking at a formation where we practice on the ground. We call it a dirt dive. We go through the formation on the ground the way we want to repeat it in the air. And a successful jump is when you do all the maneuvers you want to do, everybody opens safely and lands safely. Then you get like an even better 
feeling of a rush when you go to the packing area and you start packing your shoes. But then we do a debrief. Somebody has a video camera. Everybody has a GoPro nowadays. And we, we, we review the parachute jump uh, on screen right away there in the packing area. There's a big screen. We plug it in. And uh, on these big jumps, we have a major debriefing. Now, I want you to know, though, that, you know, Lois and I have done a jump, too. I don't know. If, I don't oh, know if yeah. Right. Or not, but in Las Vegas, we did. I don't know what they call it, but we put on like a suit and you jump and there's a big fan and kind of you float. That's in the, the vertical wind tunnel. So so that's not quite the same thing. But Lois and I do have uh, a little bit of experience. And Doug, let well, me tell you something. I, I went through the whole experience very well. But when they asked me how much I weighed, I went into a complete panic attack. That was the that was the panic moment for Lois. It was, it was not the <laughs> well, jump. That, that's the releasing of her of her weight was the was the. <laughs> well, they, they have to adjust the fan speed to your fall rate. That's the only reason they asked that question. Um, if we when, can find when, video of it, we'll put it in here. If well, I'll tell you something interesting. Us. When uh, when uh, back around the year two thousand, I had been out of the sport for many many years, and uh, my wife at the time when we were in Las Vegas bought me a birthday present of going into the vertical wind tunnel. I had never been in one. So I went into that same tunnel that you went in and I, I got the video and the whole thing. And I was in with a bunch of people that had never jumped out of a plane. And the, uh, the instructor said, you know, have you ever been in a wind tunnel? I said, no, but I've got, uh, you know, 850 50 jumps. And he goes, oh, you should be fine. So he let me go <laughs> right away and I, and I was fine. And much better than the people that he had to hold on to that. Cause I, I, I know what I knew what I already had uh, 12 hours of free fall time. Now I'm pushing 28 hours of free fall time, but yeah, you know, of cumulative free fall time. So right. I, when I, when I hit my 24 hour certificate, I said to people that this was the one, probably one of the best days of my life. That no, I think it's, I think it's an amazing accomplishment. I, I respect and I give you the not worthy sign because I think uh, you, that's just so great that you could do that. I think I could maybe do the wind jumping in the wind tunnel thing again, <laughs> I'm jumping out of an airplane anytime soon. And if I do jump, it's because something terrible has happened on that airplane. So, uh, that yeah, well, it's we, uh, one more thing that I think is sort of significant. And, and it, I don't want to make it a conceit that I have a couple of thousand jumps because when somebody asks me, I say I have a couple of thousand pretty nonchalantly. Uh, I had, I think we did a 13 person skydive on my 2000th jump and we, I got down on the ground. I had everybody sign my logbook because it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a milestone. And of the 12 other people on that skydive, only one person had fewer jumps than I did. Think about that. I was the second to low experience person on that. It's amazing. It's and amazing. All my group, everybody has four, 5,000, 6,000 jumps. So, um, it's today, you know, a jump total is, you know, when somebody wants to impress me, you better be in five figures. You know, I mean, uh, and, you know, I have a very low license number because I started pretty early. I've been around the sport now a very long time. And uh, it's nice to be one of the old timers because the young guys, when they see us in the plane, they don't they don't they don't do that snotty thing anymore. They give us respect because they, they, they say when they go. When I'm your age, I want to be doing what you're doing. 
Was Mario Cuomo uh, impressed or never heard about, or did you ever discuss your, your jumping out of a plane with him? I, 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 I no, he, he only wanted to know my speechwriting experience when I got hired. <laughs> I just wonder, and I wonder I if thought, it came up in conversation. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I know, but when, when he asked me where, if I had any speechwriting or making experience, I said, in 10th grade, I was in the Optimist Oratorical Contest and I came in third and he goes, that's not bad. What's wrong with third? I said, well, there are only four people in the contest. <laughs> and to this day, I feel awful for the poor slob that came in fourth. So Doug, you're gonna, we're, we have to end this soon because we only have like six minutes left, but we need you to come back to tell us all about Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo. And I'm only kidding, but that would be an interesting podcast because I know some of the stories from you. Yeah, well, the interesting, uh, without getting into it more deeply, is that when Andrew went through his six months of the next presidential candidate to being replaced by Kathy Hochul, I had gotten calls from everybody. What's going on? And I had, and you know, because I knew vaguely, I met his two sisters and I knew Matilda, you know, I helped Matilda on a book. And I, my thing was, I was feeling awful for the, family having to go through this and the governor I work for that was probably like, you know, going like this in his grave. <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes a lifetime to build up your reputation, as you know it. And, and, and Andrew in six months said, never mind. So I, I, I had strong feelings about it and I, I, I could always go into them in, in a very nice way. But uh, I, I was more upset with uh, Christopher not recusing himself because he's supposed to be the journalist. And he's supposed to say, I want to help my family. I shouldn't be the one that, uh, uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be working while I'm doing that. Yeah. Egos, so egos get in the way. Egos and, get in the way. And I yes, think, yeah, well, I call it your ego ability ratio. <laughs> and I think also any kind of dabbling in politics is a good reason to jump out of an airplane. So I, I yes, think it the two go together very nicely. You know, I, I, one other thing, you know, I always, I, my cliche that I've made up is this, the person who, the person who walks into a room thinking he's the smartest person in the room automatically is not the smartest person in the room. Skydivers don't do that. Right. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that on both counts. Absolutely. Very true. Okay, uh, Steve. Well, I want to say... Doug, this has been fascinating, uh, a little scary, but fascinating. We're going to pepper this whole thing with lots of video of you jumping out of a plane, so we're going to get all that from you as well. And this has been absolutely fascinating. Uh, thank you for joining us. Once again, I'm with... Lois Whitman-Hess. And I'm Steve Greenberg. And we have been... What have we been doing? We've been lying on the beach. So long, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>